This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time to take a trip around the college football universe with Isaac and Sue. I would like to know things. This is the College Football Jamaroo, part of Primetime with Isaac and Sue on 1080. He is a five-star douche-magoo. What? The Fan. All right, they're kicking down the new college football playoff rankings as we speak. Oregon, 16th. Oregon State, 15th. Hey, go Beavs. Washington, 12th. Utah, 11. And they're only up to number eight, so we'll have to see where USC falls, but most likely four. Yeah. Huskies, by the way, still a chance with the Rose Bowl. If you're a UW fan, you're a big USC fan. Because if USC uh, wins, they're in the college football playoffs, no doubt. And we would assume at that point that UW then would get selected by the Rose Bowl to more than likely play uh, Ohio State. What a great matchup. Yeah, and then if Ohio State somehow got in, let's say TCU lost, and they bump them, then it would be Penn State and UW. Either way, you probably got a pretty good Rose Bowl there. And then, of course, if USC lost, it would be USC in, in the Rose Bowl. At this point, basically, you're down to six teams that have any sort of real shot. I guess seven, you could say, because the Alabama-Tennessee debate, obviously, if, if chalk holds, well, I mean, Michigan and, and, and Georgia are in no matter what. And then if TCU and, and USC win, there you go. There's your four. But you still, if if one or both of, of those teams lose, TCU or USC, then you get into where you want to go with Ohio State, Alabama, Tennessee. And it will be interesting to see where this ranking goes because with, with Tennessee and Alabama not having, and Ohio State not having any more games to play, their resumes are complete. So how they have them lined up here, in theory, should lead you down the road of if USC or TCU is upset, that should be the ranking of where they slide in. So this actually will mean a lot here. Who gets ranked 5, 6, and 7? Yeah, we haven't seen yet. Well, actually, we do know 7th is Tennessee. Okay, so there's... Alabama is 6. Yeah. So that means Ohio State is 5. So, But I hate that USC or TCU could be punished for getting an extra game. Yep. You know, that's, that's bullshit. Yep. They, they earn an extra game, and then they lose, and then the team that didn't earn the extra game gets to advance past them um, just by sitting at home. I think that's so stupid. Yep, and especially with TCU, because TCU hasn't lost all year. So if they lose one game, because Michigan and and uh, Georgia, it doesn't matter. They lose a game, who cares? You're a one-loss team, you're in. You'll get bumped down. But it does feel like with TCU, if TCU loses to Kansas State, I feel like they are going to get left out. And that sucks because they would still be a one-loss team, and I think they're going to get bumped. And now if you're Ohio State, you're just sitting pretty right now in the catbird seat saying all you need is, and by the way, neither one of those things is is ridiculous to think that Kansas State or uh, Utah could upset 
the, the the favorite in those games. In fact, I think the TCU game is only like a two and a half point spread. I haven't seen the USC one. Uh, three. Three. Yeah. So, I mean, neither one of those would be massive upsets. And if you're Ohio State, you're just sitting around at this point and kind of licking your chops, and then Bama needs chaos. Bama needs two of those teams to lose. USC is number four, TCU three, and then I would imagine Michigan maybe jumped Georgia with the Ohio State win. Well, they were, I doubt it. They were saying that, like, from a computer standpoint, that Michigan has a better resume, but... Really? You know, we'll see. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's been number one, you know, for basically the entire year. Yeah, they're getting ready to reveal one and two. Uh, the Jambrew Coaching Carousel Edition goes first to Nebraska, where Matt Rule was hired. Yeah, Michigan is still two. Yeah. So Georgia won. So it goes like this. Georgia won, Michigan two, TCU three, USC four, Ohio State five, Alabama six, and Tennessee's still in the mix. They're seven because they're going to have a case because everybody, you know, like if Alabama gets in, Tennessee's going to be like, well, wait a minute, but this we is, beat them. But this is, and this is why I wanted to see where this goes. With their resumes complete now, I don't. I, you don't know how they jump. Them. I don't know how you would jump them because neither one has well, I'm anything. Just saying they have a case. To they say absolutely that they should be ahead of them. If if you get TCU and USC that lose, and you bump in Ohio State and Alabama, absolutely Tennessee can scream from the rafters. Hey, we beat them. Yeah, we have a bad loss on our schedule, but we beat the team ahead of us. And, of course, Alabama's thing is we lost to two top ten teams on the road on the last play of the game. But I just don't understand the head-to-head thing, why that wouldn't carry more weight. But you may not get there because, again, you're going to need both TCU and USC to lose to even have that be a factor. So Matt Rule is the new coach at Nebraska. We thought that, according to Dennis Dodd, he had turned that job down, but turns out he took it, and that's a. I mean, if that guy can't turn around Nebraska, who can? He's he's a pro. That's what he does. That's what he does. Is turn around. If Matt Rule fails at Nebraska, then I think it's it's safe to say that that's a bad job. Right. It's just yeah. The ex, you have a lot of resources, and you know it's a great fan base, but at some point, it's just not a good job anymore. If you keep having failure after failure after failure, even though. I'd make the argument that Bo Pelini wasn't a failure there. Bo Pelini was just victim of of unfair expectations. So he was at Rule. Uh, his first head coaching job was at Temple. Two and ten, six and six, ten and four, ten and three. Pretty good. Yeah. Temple. Then he goes to Baylor right after Art Bryles. One and eleven, seven and six, eleven and three. I mean. I mean, come on, man. It's, and then and now to Nebraska. And then, of course, he went to the NFL and failed miserably. And he's a player development guy. Look, the, there's no way you can say this is a bad hire. And Bala Counts, a really good guy, great in the community. Whether or not it works out there, I don't know. But you can't criticize this hire. In fact, I would make the argument you couldn't, for what's out there. That's the best hire it's anybody's the be, it's, made. It's the best hire. So far. I yes. mean, not everybody's made their hires, yeah. but you just, he's, the, he's the safest. Yes. Uh, I read that he beat an AP-ranked team at Temple more recently than Nebraska beat an AP-ranked <laughs> team. Can you believe that? That's phenomenal. That's a true. That's true. Whoops. So Colorado has reportedly offered Deion Sanders, who's at uh, Jackson, Jackson State, Jackson State, and he said, "Yeah, done a really good job." Colorado offered me. Um, I can't think of a worse fit. It just nothing. Not one thing fits about that. No, I see where they're. I kind of see where Colorado's coming from in a sense that it's like, you know, we got to do something different here. Yep. But that's that ain't it, man. No, 
They just it's And what's it say about Colorado if he stays at Jackson State? I don't necessarily think that that's a huge indictment on Colorado. I just like you said, it's just it's a really bad it's a bad fit. And Deion Sanders and his name and his cachet and what he can bring to the table, the success he's had at Jackson State, uh, what he means in, in recruiting, uh, what he means in getting into African-American uh, living rooms. It, it just, it's, it's, he's got too much juice right now to settle for a program that, outside of the one year, right, McIntyre got him to the, the Pac-12 title game once. Outside of that, Colorado hasn't been relevant in 20 years. You just, you, you no. That needs to be a job that's a that's either a stepping stone job or a job for like a young coordinator. Again, McIntyre, who did a ni- he did a nice job building up San Jose State, and that's a nice progression. A guy like DeBoer that from Fresno State, and he ended up going to UW. That's the sort of of of, of guy that that's going to end up taking that Colorado job. Not a guy that feels like his star is just too bright for for Colorado. Somebody texted and said, uh, "What about?" Um Prime to UNLV. What a great... Now, there's a fit, right? <laughs> Except it's arguably the least successful... One of the least successful programs in, in college football. Well, but that fits in a sense that, the, you know, this, they the, got to do something different. And Prime's not going to get a, you know, like a major Power 5 job yet. Like, he's too he's too much of a wild card. Although the report is that perhaps... Because he said... Uh, Dion said he has multiple, multiple offers. offers. Some think maybe Georgia Tech offered him. Down there, he's you know they're down that way. Well, that's a again, that's like going to Stanford. That's a you want to talk <laughs> yeah, about having like, you want to talk about having one high one hand tied behind your back. But Georgia I think Tech, the UNLV thing. You know, if you want to think outside the box at UNLV, I don't know if you could get him, but he is only at Jackson State. Yeah, that's an interesting hire. UNLV, if you didn't know, fired Marcus Arroyo. Yeah, and by the way, he'd be at UNLV for two years, and if he was successful, he'd be gone anyways. But yeah, well, the idea of doing something different. I am convinced that anywhere he goes, will be on probation within four years, <laughs> and lot, he will be out of there within five. It's a lot harder to get on probation now, though, because you can you yeah, can pay kids now. No, that's true. You know. All right, let's look at the Stanford job. Uh, the Athletic did a pretty interesting article, a pretty fair look at what that job is now as David Shaw has stepped down, and they brought up a, a very interesting name that um, could be in play for Stanford. Uh, we will get to that next on the Jamboree. It's 418 on the fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we're ruining in the news is up next. There are six Pac-12 schools in the top 17 of the latest college football rankings. Been by far the best year I can remember for the Pac-12, and if USC gets in, then, I mean, geez, you can make the argument that it's the best we've had in this era of, of, of the playoff. So David Shaw stepped down at Stanford, and, you know, he knows. Yeah. It's the NIL thing. It's like... Transfer portals. Exactly. This uh, There's a piece in The Athletic that I thought was a pretty fair look at the Stanford job. It's by Chris Vanini. Mm-hmm. And I'll just read you a little portion of it because he goes through a lot of different uh, things of you know what's going on at Stanford. I'm interested in this because I've said in, in the new era of college football, I think this is one of the worst jobs in college football. Well, Sh- Shaw ends his tenure as the winningest coach ever there. Did an amazing job. 96 and 54. Couple Rose Bowls, three Pac-12 titles. Doorstep of a national playing for a, in the college football playoff a couple times. Should have won at least one Heisman Trophy. So, one thing I want to point out is that he he does say, and I think it's fair to say that Stanford will pay. Yeah, I mean Shaw's salary was believed to be almost seven million a year. Yeah, and it's a it's private, so we don't know, but Shaw got paid. So, that is good. So here's what he writes about Stanford's place in college football. He says, Stanford and other high academic schools have long had the disadvantage of their admission standards. Shaw said many times that recruits don't know until December if they can even get into Stanford. With the early signing period and now transfer windows, that crunch has become even more prevalent. A decade ago, Shaw spoke out against the early signing period, but it came to be and Stanford had to adjust. The new transfer rules and upcoming windows have made it even tougher for Stanford. It's easy to lose players and hard to add them at a place like Stanford. They are also not very active in the name, image, and likeness world. The fan passion just isn't there, as evidenced by the small crowds year after year. It's harder to raise small-dollar NIL donations with people who don't want to uh, play uh, that game. Stanford has more than enough rich donors to step up if they need to. Even Shaw's job title has an endowment but it's harder to make it work for NIL, especially when the pool of potential players is so small. After the BYU loss, Shaw said there had been some discussions with the administration about being more open in that world, but I think it tells you all you need to know that he stepped down. Yep. I mean, they, they it was only a, a number of years ago, and I think it was Shaw and Harbaugh that kind of started this. They had to buy houses on campus because assistant coaches couldn't afford to live there. Like and and I know assistant. Well, that's so, just smart business. I mean, it, yeah. Bay is different. Exactly, but I mean that's there. There's so many challenges that go along with being in Stanford. So not only do you have all the challenges that go along with what you talked about getting players, I think it's really hard to keep coaches there. Like it's it is not a a cheap place to be. And when mm-hmm. you look at all the things that were mentioned in there, and when you said it's hard to get players, you're not getting transfer players. <laughs> you're just not. You are losing players every year. You're not bringing any into the transfer portal. And whether it's Alabama, whether it's Ohio State, whether it's Oregon, whether it's USC, do we not think that the transfer portal is kind of a big deal that you you have? You're just not going to be able to compete, and you can't buy recruits anymore. 
well, you, you can't buy them to the level that other big name schools are, are, are doing because you mentioned the collective just isn't there. The passion isn't there. So when you ask me of all the jobs that are in the Pac-12 right now, I really do think outside of you're willing to pay your head coach, I think you can make a strong case that the worst job in the Pac-12, and I don't think it's close, is Stanford. Hmm. So, I don't know. Like, I, you say that you, what does Stanford have? Let's say like... Like, let's take Arizona is is was would probably be the other one in Colorado, right? That would be the that would be bad jobs right now. What does Stanford have that Arizona or Colorado doesn't? Other than you have a little tradition, which doesn't mean a whole a lot because prestige. because of most of the kids that you're going after, um, that you would want to go after, can't even get in there. Oh, and by the way, the, even the graduates you're not able to do some of their own players. When they graduate, remember that was a couple years ago that David Shaw had to deal with this, where players that graduated, you know, they would come back for another year because they would graduate early. They couldn't get into Stanford graduate school, so they had to transfer someplace else. You're not playing with one hand tied behind your back. You're Dan Campbell in this thing. You've got one ass cheek and three toes at Stanford. So with the exception of they're willing to pay, I don't know what Stanford has other than, like you said, a little cachet to the name and the brand they have some prestige i they do have deep pockets so i just wonder if the right fit the right coach could maybe unlock a few of those doors you know i remember when andrew luck we had andrew luck on who at the time was the biggest name in college football and we asked andrew luck we're like hey is it hard to walk around campus he's like no 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 one knows who <laughs> it's I like am. no one knows that's yeah. andrew luck there's a lot of apathy there but I, but they but like this article said <clears throat> there are a lot of rich donors. There's a lot of money that comes out of there. There's a lot of high-profile people that you just got to engage them. And, and I don't know. I, it's, uh, I don't know. I think they've got potential. I don't know. I, it's hard to argue with you that it's the worst job. But then you look at jobs like Colorado or, you know, you just go, come on. Like, they have nothing. To me, it's a nice setting there. But but to me. So I can't. I, I know. I, I can't argue with you. Yeah. Just, what I'm just to me, if I'm a coach. And you're going to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to give you this blank slate to try to rebuild this program because, again, Stanford's not good right now. You're building it from the, the, the bottom. It's at a low point. I, I, I just don't know why I would pick to try to build at Stanford as opposed to building at Colorado because the, the apathy and the, the – I mean, all the things and the lack of, of money rolling in and the lack of NIL and lack of support and lack of fan base – all those things exist at all these schools, but none of the shackles exist at Colorado, Arizona State, or a school like Washington State than they than they do well, at Stanford. Cal's much like Stanford. Why has Stanford been, had so much more success? You know, there's something there's something with Stanford that makes it well. It it, it is better it, than Cal. If you are that rare kid that that wants to go out and get a world class education and is yeah. an athlete Stanford. Stanford is the place to go it's the duke of yeah. it's the duke okay. of basketball so you said what do they have it's that it's that it's for those elite kids that that do qualify academically they are Stanford is going to be high on your list so you can get i mean but I, but I would make but story. I would make the argument in today's world and this is why I said I think this shift has has changed I think Stanford I always thought that what David Shaw did at Stanford was like a what Bill Snyder did at Kansas State. It's unbelievable. But I think that the landscape has shifted and I think already a very, very hard job at Stanford became 
along well, yeah. with Georgia Tech, the hardest jobs. Well, that's pretty obvious. But Stanford, according to this article, they are fourth in the Pac-12 in team talent rankings. Um, they are ahead of UCLA and they are ahead of Utah. There were this year there were 21 former four-star recruits on that roster. So I mean they have players. What went wrong? He he talks about a strength and conditioning coach who left. He talks about the COVID era. Um, hard to say. You know maybe Shaw checked out. I mean who knows? But they have talent and they can pay. So I I don't know that it's the worst job in the Pac-12, but it's it's very hard to argue with you. One quick note before we go: the name. So he lists a bunch of names in here. And some of them are guys you've never heard of. Others are guys like Bronco Mendenhall. Um, you remember him. He coached at yep. BYU in Virginia. Virginia, and then he stepped aside. He's a good Tom, coach. Tom Herman, the former Texas head coach, which I think would be a terrible fit. Um, the one guy that, and I've seen him mentioned a couple of places, doubt they can get him. But you got to call Chris Peterson, don't you? Absolutely. Great fit. A hundred percent. At Stanford, because Chris Peterson is the type of guy who is still that sort of student-athlete, I-want-to-mold-you type of coach. You definitely have to get someone that wants to embrace that. Yeah, and he would be that. He would be a unique guy that would It's like that. when Cal went and got Sonny Dykes, because Cal's similar. And by the way, Stanford, I, I, I may abridge this. Cal may be a worse job than Stanford because you have a lot of the same struggles, but you don't have the cachet. And if you are going after that same kid, Stanford's a better, you know, Stanford is a, is a, is a, is a bigger draw than Cal. But like when you got Sonny Dykes into Cal, that doesn't that doesn't fit. It was never a culture fit. It was never ever a culture fit. You have to get someone in there that wants to embrace the challenges and and really hold up the honor. Yeah. Well, you, you remember like with Peterson, like that's that was his whole thing, right? Was these OKG our kind of guys? I mean, he wanted guys that I mean. were specifically yeah. that way. Yeah, and, I feel like he would be a fit there. The only question is does he even want to coach? Yeah. And I just think now, I, I wonder, in those recruiting battles that Stanford had, where you're going after that kid that wants a world-class education, and he's a four- or five-star kid, the Andrew Luck of the world, and you found a way to win that battle, and you had to win very specific ones because you didn't have a big pool to pick from. I just think about the world now where you have to go get that kid, and then you have to go convince him not to go to Washington for four million bucks. Yeah. And then if he doesn't play right away at Stanford, or they have a, 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 or he does have a good year, you have to convince him to not go to Oregon the next year for four million bucks and, and transfer. He can bail at any moment, or when he gets on Stanford and finds out that it really sucks having to do those classes, it's just, man, I, I feel for I feel for that program in, in today's world. There's your root. Let's get to uh, in the news. Um, the Lord took a giant white dump on Mount Hood. Oh. We'll get to that next. Here's Buck. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Medella, the markable fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. 
saw this dude. Uh, oh man, you deadheads are gonna kill me. Who's the living main um, Grateful Dead guy? Bob. We- Bob, Bob Weir? Weir. Yeah, Bob Weir. I saw him on uh, Jane Polly's excellent Sunday morning uh, CBS program. <laughs> Is there an? I always thought that program couldn't get any older until you got Jane Polly interviewing the remaining <laughs> Grateful Dead guy. Well, I don't think she did that story. She has reporters. You know, she's just yes. the host, it's like the Bryant Gumble, and then they send it out. Well, Bob Weir is now playing with orchestras. I don't oh, know if you knew that. I did not know that. Pretty awesome. It was a pretty cool story. Like, um, there's a what do you call the orchestra leader guy? The, the uh, conductor. The conductor. The yeah. maestro, if you will. Yeah, the conductor guy yeah. is uh, going through the music and fitting the orchestra with his music, and he actually said that uh, a lot of the Grateful Dead music works perfectly if you really dig into it mm-hmm. with an orchestra. So he's going. Bob Weir is playing. Uh, I don't know if he's touring right now. Grateful but, Dead music. Yeah, but, with an orchestra, huh. it sounds awesome. One of my, it, and it's not one of my my favorite concert that I've ever been to in my life was I was very fortunate enough to go see both nights. Of the S and M two, the Metallica with the San Francisco uh, Philharmonic, and it was amazing. And again, like when done right, music yeah. music can blend with anything. Well, and, I love a good orchestra. Yes, and uh, he is touring right. It looks like he's not going to be out in December, but uh, after the first of the year, he he has a bunch of shows. With orchestras all around the country. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to go see, a, a, if you like the Grateful Dead, you will love them with the orchestra. Because I just, again, I just think there's something like you said about an, or- an orchestra that adds to any kind of music. Love and, that. Stuff. And then the Dead and Company are. Yeah, that's the with, final, final, final tour. Well, and that's with uh, what John Mayer, right? Isn't he yeah. leading that? Mayer's in that, but that's that's in May. I thought they already went on their final tour, but. Then in May, they're starting to go Let me just say this. There is no such thing as a final tour. So he's playing, sorry, he's only playing in Atlanta with the orchestra at the symphony. Mm. Okay. But then the Dead and Company final tour starts in May. I watched watched Motley Crue do two farewell concerts like a year and a half apart from one another. Yeah. And then they said that there were no more because Mick Mars like can't. Like he can't stand anymore. Guess who's touring again? Motley Crue. They're the Rolling. So they lied to us. The Rolling Stones have had at least seventeen farewell tours. I feel like Elton John has had that too. <laughs> yes. And all you need to know is this: uh, Leonard Skinner is still touring. <laughs> yeah, but they didn't say farewell tour, did they? They're all dead, and yet there's still like, there's like one guy. He was like their keyboard player or something, and yet they still are out there being like, it's Leonard Skinner. <clears throat> All right, it's November 29, 2022. Time now for In the News. I'm your noted newsman, uh, Carbon Neutral. Thank you. Hello. It is National Square Dance Day. Have you ever <laughs> square danced? Yeah, didn't th- I, I can't believe they didn't do this in Kansas. But here no, in the Pacific Northwest, when you were in like the fifth grade, yeah, you had to square dance. Yeah, we had, we had it in class. You know, heaven forbid you taught us, I don't know, about like mortgages or interest rates or the stock market. No, we were busy square dancing. It is also throw out your leftovers day. No. Have you thrown out all your... I had some delicious uh, salad roll, uh, like Thai lettuce wraps. For lunch today, there were leftovers. Sometimes leftovers are even better than the original. I'm not throwing those out. Big snow. Ocean snow. Big snow. Can it snow in the ocean? Yeah. Yeah? Don't you think? Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Just like I mean, it doesn't accumulate, but yeah. it's the water. It's <laughs> deadliest catch. It snows on those guys all the time. Yeah, and they're out there crabbing. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 That snow. I always feel like that's more like a sleet sort of thing. Well, like like Isaac said, I mean, it can't like build up on the water, but uh, but it can definitely cool. snow out there. Um, yeah, the the Lord took a giant white dump on Mount Hood the last few days. Uh, so two lifts opened at Timberline yesterday, and Mount Hood Meadows opens today in limited capacity. Now they're saying. Hood River and Cascades will get a uh, another major snow tonight. They've, it's a uh, winter storm warning for the gorge from Corbett to Hood River from 4 o'clock uh, from now until 10 a.m. tomorrow. I wish I was a uh, winter sports enthusiast. I do. It seems like a lot but of fun. It is fun, but it's a lot of work, too. Yeah, again, right? seems like a pain in the ass, and at this point, my knees, uh, it just, it's too late to start. Seems like it's a. I'm going to be very sore after the fact. Here's something you could do. Would you like to drive a snowplow? No, I wouldn't. That sounds terrible. Oregon is facing a snowplow driver shortage mm. heading into this winter, so they desperately need you. They have over 40 vacancies. So, like anything else, they can't find anyone to work. Um, I'm guessing there has yeah. to be some sort of qualification for this. I don't think I can just rock up to the. ODOT building and be like, give me a snowplow. You know, I don't know. They could probably train you. I'm guessing there you have to have one of those. So a CDL, one of the big uh, truck driving licenses. You can get that, can you? <laughs> Figure that out. Probably get paid pretty well, I'm guessing. It's a chronic shortage, they said. I didn't know we had 40 snowplows. I just thought we had like four. <laughs> yeah, no, they've they've uh, we, built we, that up. We built it up. But I still think we share with Seattle. Okay. I think. We have a lot of snow plows, but, you know, nothing, nothing ever seems to be plowed, and we, we need it like three times a year. ODOT has 132 vacancies across the state for maintenance positions, including snow plow drivers, salt truck drivers, and de-icers. Uh, Forty of those vacancies are in eastern Oregon, where there's a greater need. Mm-hmm. So, if you'd like a job, there is one that you could have. Let me say for Potential. the rent, I would not want that job because, I don't know about you, driving in bad conditions is one of my least favorite activities on the planet i absolutely hate the stress it is stressful if you're driving to bend and you're going through you're going over the the mountain right and it starts to snow on your way down that is one of the worst feelings in the world when you just all of a sudden the road you can't see the lines and it starts the wind starts picking up and you start it's just an awful awful feeling and you know I can't, what it is? And I, I don't. I don't want anything to do with that. It's sneaky hard. Yes, because you really do have to focus. Yeah, the entire time. And it's one of those things where you're you're in it and you're just driving, but you're you're focused and you're getting it done. And then when you're done with it, yeah. you're exhausted. It's like it's such a relief because normally driving is such a mindless activity, and when you're in bad conditions, it, like you said, it takes every ounce of your focus. When we come back on in the news, look, I don't want to minimize a death. I don't. But I'm about to. Oh, well, that's kind of what we do. Uh, here's, oh, wait, it's not Buck. It's uh, 446 on the fan. Do you remember that big snowstorm, the big one that caused uh, caused it to look like end of days here in Portland where you guys were all stuck in the commute for like eight hours? I, I do remember that. You remember that? I wasn't on the show that day. No, you weren't. Me and my brother were, and we had to hold up at, uh, I think we went to the Buffalo Gap. And we just waited to see if anything would, would clear up. And then eventually, like maybe about 9.30 or 10, we just drove home in the middle of the freeway and there was no one out there. Yeah. I've told the story many times, but uh, to your white knuckling driving through crappy conditions yeah. uh, commentary, 
I had to drive from Joseph, Oregon, way out in eastern Oregon, to Portland with my aunt and her dog through that entire storm. Because that storm was moving west to east. It moved all the way throughout the state. We drove through the whole thing. How long did that take you? I mean, I think I got into town at 2 a.m. I don't remember what time we left. I want to say... 4 or 5 p.m. And my guess is that you're, you're going 20, 25 miles an hour. Very slow. Yeah. And at one point stopped because yeah. something happened up ahead and they closed the freeway. And I remember I told the story of the cop yelling at me, but uh, <laughs> that happens all the time. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, t- it was, I was exhausted. And I got into Portland at 2 a.m. Yeah. And there were cars strewn about. Like, it looked like end of days here. Yeah. It was unbelievable. Yep. I didn't even know what you guys went through. I was driving through that whole damn thing, and it was crazy. Yeah, I remember me and my brother driving home, and all along the freeway, cars were just abandoned. Jesus. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, oh my gosh. And we just, and we, we, there was a line of cars with us, and we just were all in, because you couldn't see the any of the lines, so we just drove in the middle the middle of the freeway, we're like, we're just going to call this good and inch our way home. Do you remember Shutdown Brown? Oh, I remember Shutdown Brown. Still our governor, Kate. When does that change over? Is that a January well, one next, thing? Yeah, right. Well, I don't know because, like, I know January that, at some point. Well, I know with the like the president, it's 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 not January first. So I didn't know if there was like a. I'm assuming there's some sort of date officially. You know, the whole January sixth thing. <laughs> I'm just going to guess January. Okay, so uh, Kate Brown, still in office, she has ordered all flags at Oregon public institutions to be flown at half staff. Care to guess why? Trying to think of what. Trying to think of what happened that we would half staff that. I, I don't know. The order comes in honor and remembrance of United States Representative Donald McEachin oh. from Virginia. Okay. Can't Basically, say. it's like one of her friends. And like I said, I don't want to minimize death here, but really? I've never heard of it. Well, who's heard of him? Well, she has. She's a friend. I'm sure they're friends. Is that kind of one of the... Is that the perk of being a governor? Well, I guess. Like, I was watching Yellowstone, and it sounds like if you're the governor, you can do whatever the hell you want, hey, right? Hey, my dog died. <laughs> I, Let's take the flags down, okay? Well, let me just say this. It's it's one thing to be the governor and have this sort of power, but when you're, like, a short timer and she's only got a couple weeks left, right? Isn't that like you just do whatever the hell you want? Maybe. I'd start making up stuff to fly him at, uh, at half-staff. Well, Why like, not? I feel like at this point, flags could just be perennially, perennially flown at half-staff. Yeah. yeah. Preemptively, yeah. I guess people are always getting shot. Something's gonna happen. Yeah, it's like, well, yeah. Like, don't they say there's a mass shooting like every other day or something? Oh yeah, it's we we have quite a few of those. So I thought maybe it was for the Colorado Springs or Virginia, but yeah, no, but, it's no, some no, friend of hers okay. from Congress, <laughs> some old ass white guy. <laughs> so let's minimize his death. Yeah, I think we should. I'm sure he was a wonderful human being and a humanitarian, well, and we'll she says miss he you. was. I don't even know who he is. Uh, this is an easy one. Give a coat and feel good about yourself. It's cold out there, as you know. It is very cold. The Portland uh, nonprofits that serve homeless people are desperate for winter coat donations this mm. year. So if you have uh, winter coats lying around that you'd like to uh, donate, that's an easy thing to do. Uh, Blanchett House, or Blanchett House, Rosehaven, and the Union Gospel Mission all have a hefty need for coats because donations have uh, really slowed. Uh. I don't have a winter coat. Oh, don't you? No, I don't own one. 
Should I? Like, I don't... Well, I mean, it's just cold. It's up to you. I don't, I don't, I don't care what you wear. I don't, like, uh... Yeah, I'm assuming a winter coat, yeah, like, you're talking about, like, some sort of very warm parka-esque thing. Right. No, I don't I have know. one from baseballism, and it is delightful. Yeah, I've seen, something. It's the I've warmest those, coat I've ever worn. Don't own one. If I had to go out and, and be in, uh, in very cold weather for a significant period of time... You'd be screwed, huh? Yeah, I don't really know what I would... Uh, layer up? What I'd go... Yeah, I just... I'd, I'd layer up. Because I have like a, I have some windbreakers that are kind of waterproof, and I think I would just, uh, I'd have to throw some layers on and then throw that sucker on top of them. But I, I, I'm winter coatless. I don't wear a lot of coats. So if it's really nasty out, I'm usually not outside. Hey, am I on time? When are you going to tell me to break? I wasn't going to because you're right on time, brother. Wow. Well, I can give you another story if you want. Well, then you'd be late. I feel like Suk's not even listening, so I'll just uh, break. <laughs> oh, I'm listening. I'm just trying to figure out: Are we going to keep going? I don't. I don't. When's the last time we broke at 55? Feels unusual. I know, but I'm I, gonna do it. Let's see. Kind of was hoping for one more story. So people but... tuning in at 5:10 for the hot five at five are <laughs> gonna screwed. be pissed. You're screwed. They're gonna miss all hot five. They're gonna be late. Sorry. The hot five at five is next. We'll see if we can kill some time ahead of it. Um, that's your in the news, November 29. 2022. It is uh, 4.56 on the fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 